Hello, everyone. I want to thank everyone for tuning in. I welcome you all to the second episode of the Jay and Mike Take Flight podcast. As we're recording this, it is December 6, 2020. And today we uh, are going to go over a lot of big entertainment news that has taken over the industry and kind of rocked the entertainment industry to its core, specifically the movie industry. We had some big news come out this week that HBO Max and Warner Brothers have agreed in principle to a big time streaming deal which guarantees HBO Max all of the big Warner Brothers releases that were set to make their way to movie theaters for the entirety of 2021. So for scope, this we're talking about The Conjuring 3, we're talking about Space Jam 2, we're talking about Godzilla versus King Kong, we're talking about an entire scope of movies that would have been big blockbusters at the movie theaters now just going to be on HBO Max available first day for streaming as they are in the movie theaters, which is going to be a big blow to the movie theater industry. And it's probably going to be the biggest blow that we've seen to the movie theater industry in quite some time. And it's going to change the industry as we know it. Now I'm joined here by my co-host, Mike. And Mike, I want to know, now that this news is out there, and we know that we're getting movies like Suicide Squad, Conjuring 3, Godzilla vs. Kong, Space Jam 2, Tom and Jerry, all these big moves that movies that would have actually, you know, made a ton of money, I'm sure, at the box office had they been released, you know, what do you think this does to the movie industry going forward, especially now that movie theaters are already suffering due to the pandemic? Man, Warner Media really threw down the banner with it. And um, I don't see it being good for any sort of big chain. Like, I don't know how the smaller ones survive. Like, uh, like Alamo. I, 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 whew, I don't know how these movie theaters survive with, uh, you know, all of the streaming services, especially HBO Max, getting that slate. And those are big movies. Those aren't like, you know hey, we could have just sent this straight to DVD. These are big movies. Godzilla and King Kong is a big movie. Dune is a big movie and one that I'm looking forward to and I'm totally going to watch at home. Um, but, uh, like I said, it spells trouble and it's only going to get worse for uh, movie theaters because uh, the streaming services are just going to basically go, hey, we could totally cut out the middleman and just go straight to streaming services, you know, take, take all of the profits, you know, just have not even, you know, split the ticket sales with the, uh, the big theaters. And, uh, I'm sure like the bigger chains will squeak out of this, but, uh, smaller ones, I don't, I don't see them surviving. And it's, it sucks. Cause I like the Alamo. I enjoy the Alamo, and it's probably going to go. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I mean, I will say this. I was waiting for the first domino to fall at some point, and I felt to, a, 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 I guess, a smaller effect of the grand scale was when uh, Warner Brothers announced that they were actually going to uh, put Wonder Woman uh, 1984 out on uh streaming which was hbo max and they announced it to be available christmas day and rather than delay the movie longer they decided hey we're going to release it the same day as movie theaters and uh you if you have hbo max you can enjoy and i was already like wow that's a that's a big step because i'm sure wonder woman would have made all the monies as did the first one and now now we're talking about 
not just Wonder Woman, but everything Warner Brothers was going to drop. And the thing that scares me about this is that now you're going to have competition between other streaming networks, which I'm sure Netflix is already going to get into conversations with other movie studios. I've already uh, heard rumors about, you know, possibly Disney releasing some of their Marvel completed Marvel projects or down to Disney Plus, especially Black Widow, day one on streaming. I've heard about Disney also trying to combine with uh, Hulu to make one app to, you know, take over and add any... Uh, Hulu properties day one streaming and it's like you're going to get to the point now where you're going to have all these streaming services now maybe they'll upcharge the price of their services maybe to 15 or 16 dollars a month but if you think about it that's going to kill theaters because the average person especially if you live in a high price state like we do in New York or you live in California where the price of a movie theater ticket usually costs you about 15 or 16 bucks you're talking about the family of four who you know goes out with the you know the husband and wife with their two kids they go out they're easily spending over $100 to go to the movies when now they can pay $14.99 and see everything that they wanted to see, at least on Warner Brother releases for the next year from the comfort of their own home. And and it's mind-boggling. It's like, you think about it, and it's like, wow, how does Warner Brothers expect to make money? Like, people are asking, how do they expect to make money? But when you think about it, you're getting, there's no, uh, Warner Brothers has already announced that with the HBO Max deal now, there's no longer free trials for HBO Max. You now have to sign up and commit for the $14.99 a month if you want to at all. And it's like, if you think about it, in more in most markets, that's probably more than what an actual ticket is worth. And you figure as long as they got your $15 a month, and let's say you you know you times that out by a couple of million subscribers, for, depending on the month that a new movie is going to drop, they're easily making that movie theater revenue back. And they don't, like you had mentioned earlier, they don't have to split that profit with the movie theaters anymore. That's all capital going straight to them and movie theaters were already struggling i remember talking to a a friend who worked at the alamo and he was saying you know when we get disney movies and like these big marvel movies there's a reason why we show them 10 to 12 times a day in as many theaters as we can because disney holds us over the rail and charges such crazy amount of money of ticket percentage out of our ticket sales to to to, uh to be able to uh hold these uh movies in our theater and he's like you know that's why if you go to a movie theater they show you know every cinema you can think possible it's like avengers infinity war you know 20 showings of this movie in two different theaters because we got to make this money back that we just paid disney to be able to have this movie in our theater and it's like the movie theaters are now going to suffer nobody's going to come into the theaters and it's like the theaters that are open are already suffering because they have no new releases to show and then now you're also going to have the fact where, like the movie theater you were talking about, the particular train chain, I should say, Alamo Draft House, they've been shuttered since March. And it's bad because their whole business model wasn't just relying heavily, obviously, on, you know, people going to the movies and just selling tickets, but they were also a dine-in restaurant within the movie theater. And now with the social distancing rules, everything going on with the pandemic, there's no way to safely do that in their current layout of the theater. So they've chosen to just shutter their doors until further notice and i feel like now with this big news i i'm really you know i have a pessimistic outview that like you know this is ever gonna you know come back to the way we know movie theaters i've even seen amc's uh ceo took took the fight to warner brothers and was like you know how are we supposed to sustain profitability if you're going to drop all these movies first day streaming the same day that they're supposed to be in our theaters and at this point, it's like 
the companies were waiting for some way to experiment with this kind of model where, hey, we can, you know, drop movies on streaming and, you know, see if they're just as profitable as doing it in movie theaters. And it's kind of, it, it's a shitty thing to do currently at this time frame because the movie theaters need all the money. But at the same time, this was the perfect storm. The pandemic was the perfect storm to experiment with this business model. Yeah, and I have a feeling that uh, the big chains are going to push some of the studios to like try a different method. Like, hey, give us time. Give us like maybe at least a month with the movies before you put it on streaming services, just to just to get something, just to get something, because it's almost automatically guaranteed. If you put it on streaming services same day as as a theater release, you are going to see. I, I would guess, like in a normal environment, you know, not even it, like even pre-pandemic, you would see like half the amount of people in a movie theater that you normally would, because people are always going to choose the comfort of their own home over going out, uh, paying, like you said, the fifteen dollars a ticket, and then the you know the God knows how much for concessions if you want to get popcorn, if you want to get soda, if you want to get candy, that's that's even more money out of your pocket. As opposed to just firing up your, uh, you know, your streaming box of choice and just getting a snack and watching it at home under the covers, you know, in the warmth of your own home. I don't, it's, <laughs> it's the, uh, and like for Alamo, I don't see how it's not a death knell. It's, uh, and like I said, I love the Alamo. Uh, it, you mentioned that uh, they're also, you know, the, uh, the dine-in atmosphere and that uh, I enjoyed that. I really thought that that was unique to uh, a bunch of different theaters where you would just go in and get your stuff and uh, you know, the food may have not been the greatest but I mean it, it's better than just the normal you know, popcorn and soda sort of experience. You know, you could, you could even get alcohol there and uh, I, I thought, I would, when I first heard that I was taken back like, whoa, that's that's pretty cool. But um, yeah, I'm really uh, I'm really sad about Alamo. And if they uh, if they go the way of the dodo, I'm gonna be like, I'm just gonna be really sad about it because that's that was my go-to place for a long time, and like uh, it, it kind of spoiled me because like you would go there, you know, you would you'd be able to get. I love I used to love getting their shakes. Their shakes were delicious, and you just you can't get that. And anywhere else you can't get a shake you can't get a beer you know you can't get a nice little pan pizza it's it's gonna be sad man yeah i don't like it yeah i i completely agree as somebody you know who even lived right next to the alamo for uh, a good amount of time from their uh opening to uh their uh you know to their current time that they had the shutter uh i did love the alamo i love the atmosphere and my thing was too is that and it's more of a film enthusiast versus, I guess, casual, you know, fan of, of films. Where, like, the thing I loved about Alamo was that they showed older releases and they showed things that weren't currently movie theaters. Like, they were willing to bring back vault titles of certain, like, genre flicks. And, and, and I thought that was amazing. And, you know... I see a lot more movie theaters, like your your AMCs, your clear, uh, not Clearview, but your Cinemarks, I should say, your Cinemarks, 
and other movie theaters like Showcase now trying to buy into that model because they don't have new films to show, at least the theaters that are open. And, you know, unfortunately, it's like, yeah, people, some hardcore fans are going to go and watch these releases. But for the casual fan, they're all worried about what's the newest, the shiniest thing, the Marvel films, you know, the new Star Wars, you know, movies that come out. They won't want to see the newest and shiniest things. And it's like you're not going to sell out your theater, you know, showing an old, an old print of The Shining. And it's unfortunate. But at the same time, to play a little bit devil's advocate to what you said, like, you know, maybe the theater chains ass, uh, you know, some of these movie theater companies to maybe adjust the model and let's say, hey, let us have exclusivity on the film where you're releasing for a month and then it could go to streaming. But to me, like, I get the lo- the, the logic behind that, like give the, the theaters a couple of weeks, you know, head start on streaming. But I feel like there's people now who are stubborn because of the price of the way movie theaters are that are, you know, stubborn as it is to just you know want to I guess I should say they're stubborn to even want to go to the movies now because of the way things are currently priced and the way theaters have their business models and they're you know worried about that what's going to stop them from just saying hey I know it's on streaming in four weeks I'm just going to wait the four weeks and I feel like either way we're kind of in a lose-lose kind of situation when it comes to that and I feel like no matter what we're doing now that this domino has fallen we're going to end up in a situation where it's just a matter of time before other companies go, hey, we see it's working for Warner Brothers. We're jumping in on this. We're going to do it too. And don't get me wrong. I under, I'm a completely understanding of the fact that there is a pandemic going on. People do not feel comfortable, I being one of them, going into a movie theater, no matter how good the social distancing rules are, and trying to you know sit down and watch a movie, especially when there's going to be other people in the theater that are either enjoying concessions or doing whatever they're doing, and they're going to have their mask off at some point. And I get the theaters are like, we're doing the best we can to protect you. It's just it's just a matter of, I don't feel safe. It's like the theaters, pre-pandemic, at least in my area, were never the cleanest to begin with. And it's like, I'm supposed to trust you to do a deep cleaning between every showing currently. I've, I've been on the Reddit where AMC workers who are, you know, the younger teenagers that they employ have talked about. They've said, hey, listen, they can tell you whatever they want, you know, and say that we're going to do deep cleanings, we're going to do all this. They're like, we don't have the manpower with furloughs and everything to do any deep cleaning. We might spray down a couple of seats to clean some stuff, but there's no way we're going to get a deep cleaning. And, you know, for reasons like that alone, it's like for me, I don't see it being viable even if movie theaters are able to open in a year, as unfortunate as it is, like full full frontal force, if the streaming thing is an option, I'd rather just wait for, for the for the for the. I'd rather just watch it on streaming personally. Same, like, and you know, their deep cleaning amounts to a can of Lysol and wipes, and it's like, you know, sure, what are you going to do with that? And um, I, I'm I'm much in the same boat. Uh, I, I would much rather stay at home and watch these movies. That's that's exactly what I'm going to do when Dune comes out. And like, oh, and, and Godzilla and King Kong. But uh, <laughs> the movie theaters, they aren't they, they aren't equipped to deal with this sort of thing. And it's it shows, you know. Um, and uh, it, it's like going back to the whole uh, Alamo thing the Alamo was unique in the way that uh, like remember we went to uh, LV426 day when we saw Alien and Aliens and I love that 
we saw the Warriors there. And uh, what was it on eight millimeter film? It was a uh, thirty-five millimeter. Thirty-five millimeter. So like you saw like all the nice raw, all the raw like film, all the crunchiness, all the all the texture, and only Alamo did that. Every every other movie theater doesn't do that. They just show all the new stuff. But with Alamo, you get you get all the all the nostalgic feelings. You get special guests to come in. No one no one else does that. And <laughs> that's a that was a big part of the movie theater experience for me, um, at, at least in modern times. But uh, you know, now that the pandemic has come along, it's everything has changed. Yeah, I mean, it. I, I will say this: it has become a uh, kind of a situation where I'm gonna have. I don't know if this is the end for movie theaters. We're just obviously speculating, and you know, the news just got announced this week, so you know, it's all speculation and hearsay currently of how this is gonna affect things going forward long term. But I will say that a lot of these movies that are going to be on Warner Brothers slate, whether it's, you know, Godzilla versus Kong, whether it's Dune, whether it's The Conjuring 3, and a lot of these big releases, I feel like I feel bad in the sense that, yes, it's great that people can have the option to watch these from home, especially in this current environment, but there's something to be said for certain movies that for your first viewing, they shouldn't be experienced anywhere else but a movie theater. And I, I kind of harken back to my childhood where one of the first movies I ever got to see in a movie theater was Jurassic Park. And I always tell myself, if I was a kid growing up in, in, in these times and Jurassic Park was going to be released only on streaming and was not going, you know, well, not only on streaming, but I should say simultaneously on streaming and in movie theaters, and I was going to watch it on streaming for the first time, would it have had the effect? Because I remember being a kid sitting down in that movie theater, feeling the sound system vibrate the entire theater, feeling, you know, the Tyrannosaurus Rex, like each step just vibrate the theater, and then that roar through the sound system, and then seeing the T-Rex the on the screen for the first time, taking up the whole screen, just the menace of it all. And even to this day, I have found memories of, like, see, seeing that moment in the theater and being like, oh my God, how, like, how did they pull this off? Like looking at the CGI, the, you know, the work that they put into the creatures, the animatronics they used, and just being like, oh my God, this is amazing. Like, and even, you know, to newer films, like had I seen the Avengers at home rather than in the movie theaters, it probably wouldn't have seen been the same effect, especially that scene where the Avengers finally assemble. And I feel like, especially for Godzilla versus Kong. I mean, that needs to be enjoyed in a nice big IMAX screen with a good Dolby audio system. Like you need that kind kind of thing. And it's like, if you don't have that now, it's like, what is going to be the lasting impression of these movies when, you know, the majority of people, their first experience is going to be, you know, on their 50 inch flat screen at home, you know, with multiple distractions and probably not even, you know, for the most part, maybe not even getting the full ambiance of what that movie is supposed to be, like the director's actual vision. Yeah, you'd, you'd essentially have to like build your own movie theater system in your own home, and that could be pretty expensive. Although now with sound bars these days, they can kind of replicate it, but it's it's nothing compared to the uh, the the majesty and glory of of an actual movie theater full system. And like you said, with Jurassic Park, that's a lot of good sound design between all of the different dinosaurs making their various noises, the T-Rex. It's 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 quite an experience. And uh, 
one of my earliest memories. Let me let me weave you a story here. It's 1999. I am 11 years old, and uh, me, my mother, and my at the time best friend, one of my oldest friends, uh, we're at uh, we're at the Cross County Movie Theater, and we are getting ready to see The Phantom Menace. And uh, you know, it's it's the first time Star Wars has been in movie theaters for what almost 20 years, I think. And uh, it, uh, we go in, and at the time, like again, I'm 11. I absolutely love the Phantom Menace, all of the different sounds, all of the Star Wars sounds. It, it's it was an incredible feeling watching it as a kid, uh, seeing the ending duel with Darth Maul, Qui Gon, and Obi Wan. It, uh, oh, it's it's one of the best and earliest memories of a movie theater that I have. And it's one of the most permanent ones too. Like I never saw Attack of the Clones in theaters. I'd seen that afterwards. And uh, I had seen Revenge of the Sith in theaters a few times. And, but uh, as a kid, it was mostly the Phantom Menace. The Phantom Menace still stays, you know, up here in my head. And uh, that's just, you know, had I seen it at home, it, it wouldn't have been the same. Especially if you're, yeah, especially right. if you're a kid. You know, the allure of being a child and going to a movie theater is that you're, you know, getting to see a giant screen, you know, the loudness of the speakers, you know, as an adult, you know, you've lived through it. And, you know, maybe so you're maybe more used to staying at home and watching a movie, you know, on your own TV. But uh, as a child, that's, that's where it's at, man. Oh, 100% definitely. But I also... In a, in, a, in a funny way, I want to kind of play devil's advocate here because assuming, you know, this does begin the decline of movie theaters as we know them, at least in the United States, I'm going to kind of, you know, go on some things that I think, you know, at least something that I think streaming movies from your house will give you the, the advantage on. And I will say this, and it's with 100% confidence, you will love your fucking snacks. The ability to pause a movie and just go get your snacks when you want because I'll tell you this, I used to hate having to go up to the teenager that probably, you know, wanted to shoot me behind the counter, you know, <laughs> and telling us, hey, I want to I want to get a large popcorn. Can you make sure you throw extra butter on it? Because I'm that type of guy, I prefer, like, I used to love going to AMC because they had the manual butter machine where you put as much butter as you want on the popcorn. That. I remember and, that. Yep. And you would have people stare at you as you're doing it. Like, you're holding up the line. There's a line of people behind you. And they're staring at you like, come on, how much fucking butter does this guy need? And you're over there, <laughs> like, you, you want to look back at him. You're like, hey, asshole, I know this is going to raise my cholesterol. But it is my destiny to get through this butter-ridden journey. So let me do what I need to do. So he's holding you start the white cheddar seasoning yeah. for all time. Like, problem? You got one? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you're... You're just pumping it. And I remember there was times where I would ask the teenager, whoever was behind the counter, hey, can I get extra butter on my large popcorn? Yeah, no problem. I see him do the two squirts or whatever, do two more. And then I get to the movie theater. I'm like 20 minutes into it. Maybe I'd even make it past the trailers, maybe, because I'm starting, you know, scarfing out popcorn. And then I'm like, wow, this really does not have much butter. And I have to go back out there. Maybe the movie has started now, miss a couple of scenes and be like, hey, man, uh, can you add extra butter? And I'll never forget the scowl that these kids give you like, man, I just want to be on Twitter. I want to look at my iPhone right now. I just want to text my girl. And it's like, and he just gives you the scowl. Like if you come back out here one more time and ask for butter, I will end you, homie. I will end you. 
and I'm just over here like I have to take my butter that I get and I'm like god I hope it's enough because this kid might kill me the next time I come back out here <laughs> and it's like butter <laughs> yeah, get yeah, it's like, I, yeah I come out there and I'm like shaking I'm like eh, eh, senora butter please <laughs> you know and you gotta, you gotta ask it like you're you know praying to the holy ghost for something divine but I'm, those are the type of things I'm not, I'm not going to miss. I'm also not going to miss, you know, if you get, you went to a late showing of a popular movie that released in the first two days and you were like, okay, you know, especially across County, they were notorious for, you know, jumping on the back of other showings. It's like, oh, Avengers Infinity War, the last showing ended at 3.50. Well, guess what? The next one's starting at 4.30. And you're like, how could they possibly have time to clean it that quick? And you start walking in there and you feel the crunchiness under your boots from all the sticky stuff from all the past oh, showing. Yeah. And you're like, God, I feel like, you're, you're like, I feel like I just put my, you know, entire foot in the jizz bucket. Cups like, what the everywhere. hell? Like, ugh. <laughs> And you're walking into... So I'm not going to miss that. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. You you just hear the the nice crunch. Yeah, like, you you just stand in there, and you literally feel like you're probably wearing the the magnetic boots from the Super Mario Brothers movies, where you can't get yourself off the ground. You're like, shit, I can't can't levitate. I can't do it. Just going to find my seat and just (laughs) say, oh, and there's an entire bucket of spilled popcorn in it. Awesome. Oh yeah, that, that that was a great or never forget the 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 one person in the movie theater who needs to explain to the person sitting next to them the entire plot of the movie as it's happening in real time because you 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 know you don't watch a movie you have to transcribe the movie as you watch Oh my god, I hate those people. Those pe- the, uh, like there was a there was a dude that uh, my parents used to know, Big Al, and this guy on the opposite side of that, he wasn't explaining. He would constantly ask what was going on. And, like, we watched Pitch Black one time. And the movie begins, and Riddick starts narrating his stuff. And already, this fucking guy is like, so what's going on? What's, what, what are we doing here? What, and it's like, it is three minutes into the movie. Can you just shut up and watch? My God. <laughs> I, I, I feel your pain, like... I, I've completely gotten to the point, and maybe, you know, I'm only 31, but maybe I've gotten to the point in my cranky old cinemaphile age that, you know, anyone that comes with me to, to the movies, they understand that if I am seeing a movie for the first time with you, and it's not like my, my second or third viewing where I've seen this already, there needs to be silence all around me. I need to have my death stare focused straight ahead at that screen and let me consume this movie for all that it is. And, like, I'm not trying to be mean, but if you don't get it, that's kind of on you and just let me enjoy it for what it is if you want to you know talk shop after the movie i have no problem breaking it down for you but during the movie that's uh that's a big no for me oh, yeah. like i i just, just watch the movie you know we'll talk about what's going on afterward don't you know lean in what i missed something god damn it like well, well, you want you want to relax there, Book of Shadows? Yeah. <laughs> well, take it easy, the whisper. I'm I'm trying to you know watch this movie over here, I'm trying to see what the you know Luke Skywalker does next. It's not exactly. much. So please give me my and, time with him. <laughs> but you know, to kind of wrap this all around, you know, we don't. It's all hearsay as to whether this is actually going to be the decline of the movie theaters. Or maybe, you know, the theater chains are going to come to some kind of agreement with some of these other studios who may follow suit in Warner Brothers' direction. We we honestly don't know. And I mean, it's really early to kind of tell. 
but in my gut feeling, you know, the, the prospect, the future prospects aren't looking good. And I just want to say that everything we say here and have said about this topic, it is all just our rumors that we've heard and, you know, speculation that we have and just our opinion. And none of it is indeed yeah, fact. But I kind of want to, yeah, none yeah. of it's confirmed. But I want to jump to another big uh, news story that came out in, in the entertainment industry this week. It is that Oscar Isaac of Poe Dameron fame is slated to play Solid Snake in the Metal Gear Solid feature film. Now, for me, this was like a surprise out of left field. I know a couple of years ago he had campaigned on a kind of he had been asked a question about a character he wanted to play during a uh, interview for uh, for a multimedia press conference he was doing a, for a movie at the time. And he had said that he would like to play Solid Snake if he was given the chance as he was a fan of the games. And now it's like that came to fruition and he kind of, in a way, kind of early casted himself. And I know a lot of people are kind of, you know, on the fence about this one. They don't think he has the height. They don't think he can even maybe do the voice. They don't think he, you know, in the mock-ups that people have done of him in the snake outfit, they don't think he's going to look great. And Mike, I want to know, what are your thoughts? What's your reaction to this news? I just want to know why the movie's being made. Like... (laughs) I understand why Uncharted's being made because it in itself is a blockbuster, you know, popcorn flick. It's all about action. But Metal Gear Solid, the game is already a movie. Why? Like, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Fit like 20 hours worth of game into a maybe two and a half hour movie? Is that what we're really going to do? And like Oscar Isaac is Snake. Look, I'm okay with it. Personally, if I had to choose someone, it would have been a... uh, Oh, oh my God. I'm blanking on his name. But uh, good old old Death Proof over there. Oh, my God. Kurt Russell. Kurt Russell. There we go. A younger Kurt Russell. Russell. Considering he played Snake Plissken in Escape from New York and L.A. So, like, perfect for the role? Yeah? No? But Oscar Isaac... Whatever, man. I I don't think the Metal Gear Solid movie needs to be made. What are you going to do? And again, like I said, one movie, uh, one game, 20 hours of game in one movie? Or are you going to do some dumb shit where you splice like several different parts of the lore into like one movie and it just ends up just being an amalgamation of Metal Gear shit? Uh, I I understand what you're saying and I feel like I, I also can kind of visualize what you're talking about, them kind of doing a chopped and screwed version where they kind of take pieces from different parts of the video games and kind of make, you know, a whole, you know, their own section. I mean, I would perfectly be fine if they just kept it kind of, you know, focused on the first game. But I could totally see, like, the first half hour of the movie being the first game and the rest of it being Sons of Liberty. I could totally see it being something like that. And the thing is, like, Metal Gear at its core is a pretty slow-paced game. It's not breakneck action all the time so like even like a couple of hours in you're still in like the beginning area the, like the pace of this movie is gonna have to be off the rails you're gonna have snake flying through enemies and shit and it's like man it's a hell of a stealth movie huh uh, i they're, they're i can already tell in you know true hollywood fashion They'll, it'll be like, oh, this this game is about tactical espionage. We're supposed to be stealth. Oh, so for the gamers that really have played the Metal Gear Solid, we'll throw them a nod. We'll use one scene where Snake hides in a cardboard box. Yep. Yep. Just, just for the reference, just for the just for the yucks. 
hey, here's Snake hiding in a cardboard box. Look, everyone, we did the thing that the game does, too. Uh, you, you know what would work yep. instead? You know what I would much rather prefer than a Metal Gear Solid movie? I would want a Splinter Cell movie. Because you can make a Splinter Cell movie with its own self-contained plot and stuff, whereas Metal Gear already has a completed lore and a, a batshit one at that because those games turned into absolute goof troop stuff. Not that I'm saying that, you know, I, I didn't enjoy all of it. I fucking love every second. The, go the, goop, the, the goof, goof troop? Is that like an upgrade of... Is that the upgraded version of the the buddies from Power Rangers that you go? It's actually the new Metal Gear, Gear, Metal Gear Goof Troop. <laughs> Metal Gear Goof Troop has been activated. It's up to Snake to stop it and save the day. Snake, Snake. <laughs> they also have to add that reference, and he's got to be like Oscar Isaac has to be like face down in snow, and you hear his Kodak going off, and the Colonel just losing his shit. I, I, I think they should have the Kodak be a chip that they implant in his head, and it just seems like he's talking to himself and hearing voices in his head. He shouldn't, <laughs> he shouldn't hear the other head. side of the conversation. You spill. Like, <laughs> it should be like Deadly Premonition, you know, with Francis York Morgan. His Hello. Just yeah. talking to a mug of coffee and everyone around him is like, get this guy out of here. <laughs> it's like this this guy, um, I believe, uh, people, that this man over here. Is on crack cocaine. He took a lot of meth, didn't he? <laughs> it's, hey, somebody check him. I, I think he's on the shrew. Like, you did a whole bunch of drugs before you came here. Give me what he's having. <laughs> but, but I will say this. I mean, I'm kind of indifferent toward the news. I don't. I actually like Oscar Isaac as an actor. I think he's perfectly fine in a lot of the the movies he has already done, and I, I think he's a great actor. But. You know, for the Metal Gear Solid film, I mean, I'm not going to lose my mind about it. It's either going to turn out great or it's going to, you know, join the long list of films that have been video game adaptations that have sucked. But only time will tell because this news was just announced. So I'm assuming we're probably not going to hear really anything heavy about this movie to maybe 2022 or 2023 yeah, at the earliest. Probably everything in pre-production. And, and, you know, this is the first time that people have talked yeah. about a Metal Gear Solid movie. It's been in the wings for like... 10 years so i'm guessing like all talks have just been in development hell for such a long time and like i said i get why uncharted's being made a movie it's essentially a uh an indiana jones film just with nathan drake and you know what i'm all right with that that's easy peasy just you know you have a whole bunch of spooky stuff you 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 explore some ruins maybe find a nice little trinket a macguffin that helps you out and, you know, shoot a bunch of bad guys along the way. You do a bunch of swinging around, you know, Tarzan style. It's all good. But, uh... Was, was this your this your pitch meeting over yeah. here? You know, he's just gonna, you know, he's gonna look for, you know, the trinket. Yeah. He's gonna swing. He's gonna do a bunch of stuff. He's probably gonna hook up with a hot woman, and there you go. Uh, That's exactly it. All right. He goes here. He does this. Gets this. The girl comes in. Saves his life. They do the thing. The thing happens. The thing resolves. There we go. Just wrote an Uncharted game. And a movie. <laughs> Uncharted 5. Coming to Uncharted 5. It's like, oh, the the, search, the Uncharted 5, the search for the golden monkey. So he basically, wrote it right basically, there. Basically. wrote it. Basically. Eve's resurrection. There you go. I mean, I'm... We'll see what happens with this Metal Gear Solid movie, and that's all we could say because I'm sure it's a ways, ways off. 
but something that is not a ways, ways off and is actually rock solid standing in Bestar armor is The Mandalorian. And we are currently knee deep Ooh. in season two. And I just want to say, as we talk about the what we've liked and what we disliked out of the season so far, there will be spoilers. So if you have not watched The Mandalorian, either season one or two, please skip ahead forward in the podcast until we get to our next topic. So that way you are not spoiled. I'll give you a nice five second head start and then we're going to start. Five, four, three, two, one. Spoiler territory. All right. So let's get into this Mandalorian season two. We've had a lot of big things go down since season one. So Mike hit us with it. What what What's the low down and dirty? What do we need to know about this season? All right, the so season far? started off... Uh... Pretty slowly, in my opinion. The first episode was awesome. It had a bunch of references. You know, you had a guy that was in Boba Fett armor, but wasn't Boba Fett. And uh, they took down the crate dragon, which kind of looked like a big worm. I don't know why it looked like a big worm, instead of looking like something a little bit more lizard-like. But, uh, you know, the big reveal at the first, at the end of the first episode was, you know, you finally, finally saw Boba Fett. Finally, Disney is, you know, letting Boba Fett be a thing again. It's like, hey, he actually survived the Sarlacc. You know, you don't know how, but, you know, we'll get to it. The next couple episodes were a little bit fillery. Uh, you know, they some something about helping this gecko woman take her eggs to a planet because, you know, that she was the last of her kind, whatever. But, uh, oh, man, the, <laughs> uh, the, the fifth episode, was it? I think we're, we're currently on the sixth. The fifth episode with whew, Ahsoka Tano. It happened. Oh my God. Oh, let me, I got to get it. I got to get my feelings in order here, man. It was, it was awesome to see Ahsoka Tano in a live action uh, show. And we got her like right off rip. It wasn't like, yeah, she shows up in like 15 minutes. No, she's the first thing you see action lightsabers right off, right off rip. She's, she's swinging. She's killing. It's like, Oh my God. Yes. Oh my God! Yes, this is everything I wanted. I'm so glad. I'm so glad Mr. Filoni has brought this to us. And uh, the uh, fifth episode is fantastic. We finally learn the child's name. You know, old little little Grogi, <laughs> and uh, little, Gro- little, little Grogers, Grogu. and oh man, it's it's such a good episode. It's so good to see Ahsoka Tano. Uh, also, Michael Bine is in the episode as um, as like the deputy of yes. like the little outpost that they they got going on. And I'm like, oh man, it's good to see Michael Bine again. Oh man, be, be like... yeah, the yeah. voice is unmistakable. That, that the is voice is rough, unmistakable. tough voice. <laughs> I did the Terminator and like be in more stuff, please. You're not that old. <laughs> but uh, the Ahsoka Tana episode was fantastic, and it was a little bit longer than, you know, the average 33 minutes that these fucking episodes are doing, which I was thankful for. But uh, very next episode, episode six, again, kind of just starts off right in the action. We, we're going to the planet where Ahsoka tells uh, the Mando that he needs to, to bring Grogi to so he can sit on like a little altar and do his little force thing and send up the signal into the sky. And first thing we see, boom, Slave 1 enters orbit. And oh my god, did I lose my shit when I saw Slave 1. It was so good. I was like, oh my god, it's Boba. And he can't, like he comes in, he's like, 
just a simple man making my way through the universe like my father before me. I was like, oh, oh. It, it is it is so good to finally see Boba back doing things, just not in like, you know, character limbo as he's been for like the longest time ever since Disney took over and was like, hey, everything in the, everything that was old canon is bullshit now. That means, you know, Boba Fett isn't Mandalore anymore. And it's like, I hate you. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> we see Boba team up with the Mando. He's t- he's doing a whole bunch of stuff. He's slapping stormtroopers with a gaffy stick and like all their armor is like, flying off. And then he's like, I'm going to get my armor back. He gets his armor back and all of a sudden just gunslingering. Just, just, just fucking stormtroopers up left and right. He, he's looking a little thick in the armor. You know, he's been eating good on Tatooine. He must have ate his way out of the Sarlacc. <laughs> he must have... <laughs> uh, but it's okay. It's all right. We'll, you know, we'll get the armor fitted. We'll get Boba back to full strength. And, oh, man, it's it was so good. And, and it was also good to finally have the vindication that both Boba and Jango were confirmed Mandalorian because, you know, he brings up little thing you know this armor's been in my family for 25 years and it's like, it's like that's right that's right don't, don't let anyone tell you different the Mandalorian yeah he brings up he brings up the code chains and show that the, the armor actually yep. bel- belongs that the to armor him. is indeed definitively no all no questions asked it's his give it to him let Boba be Boba and that's, that's <laughs> exactly exactly I. Uh, I will say this, I, I've i been up to date on the series just like you, and <laughs> I've got to say that, you know, I know you had problems with, you know, the middle episodes, like, I didn't mind them because we did get the intro- introduction of Bo-Katan, and we also got to see WWE superstar Sasha right. Banks in her first acting role, which I think she did a fantastic yeah, job for her first role, and, and I will say this, I mean... I know you consider those episodes kind of fillery in a way, but I kind of enjoy them because I am a fan of like the old school, like Western serials where they kind of, you know, go from place to place because this one place has the thing, then the next place has the thing, then the next place has the thing. And it's just like, you know, it's kind of like a real, a real life fallout game where you're just going from town to town, kind of doing side quests, but they somehow play later on into your main objective. So I kind of like that, but I will say, man, having, you know, Ahsoka Tano show up in the, uh, in the series having you know obviously the dark saber being more of a focal point of this finding out the baby yoda as everyone liked to call him finding out his real name was actually grogu and that the the cool thing is that he was actually trained by multiple different jedi masters which i'm sure we're going to get backstory on that at some point and we i i mean boba what more can you say boba and the thing that uh also makes it interesting for me is that you know now they have this thing where, you know, initially Boba in the beginning of the season is kind of set up to be a villain in a way or, you know, kind of set up to be maybe not an ally to the Mandalorian because you see him watching the Mandalorian, but you don't actually know what his intentions are. But I will say there's nothing. Sh- this The only way I can explain that last episode when, you know, the Mando brings up his infrared vision and sees the Slave One coming in from orbit to touch down on the planet Tython where they are is... I guess that's the best way to say it. Yes. I was sexually aroused. I was. That's the only way to say it. I, I sat there and I was like, 
I, I'm, I, I'm going, I'm going full chub right here as that ship is landing, and I'm, and I'm like shaking my wife who's watching it with me, and I'm telling her that, that's that's Boba Fett, that's Boba Fett, and she's like, she, you know, she's been watching Mandalorian with me, but she doesn't, you know, she's not really into the Star Wars okay. war overall. <laughs> and she was like, why is he special? <laughs> and she, and she was like, oh, so what makes him special? I was like, oh, you gonna find out. I was like, the Mandalorian. If this is a fight, I feel bad for the Mandalorian. She's like, oh, but you know. The Mandalorian has, you know, taken out everybody. I was like, I, that ain't happening with Boba. That's not going to happen. And, I, you know, we watched the whole episode. And, I mean, it broke my heart to see Grogu kidnapped and then put in shackles. But, man, the work he was doing on those stormtroopers oh, yeah. with the Force House. Throwing them around like he's Hulk Hogan <laughs> and just, you know, bonking their heads together. I was like, all right, little guy. It's... Also, we got the Dark Troopers, which I was like, all right, okay bringing in stuff from the old canon i enjoy it stuff from you know the dark forces i'm like yeah and i was kind of hoping that they would fight the dark troopers but you know they're just they just iron manned in and just you know grabbed up grogi and just took right on off it's like oh we're not gonna we're not gonna see like the might of the dark troopers like mando isn't gonna challenge and he's gonna be like okay all right i'm severely outclassed you know until later when you know he learns the tactics and stuff but uh, it was at least good to see them, and uh, at least we'll know we'll get them in a, in a future episode, especially when they take the fight to uh, Moff Gideon. Yes, yes, we will. And I will say that, you know, as people listening to this, is that, you know, this was just kind of our awesome thoughts and kind of fanboy reactions to the season. No way was this, you know, an actual overview. This was kind of just our anecdotes and things we picked out that we thought were really cool. But in a later episode, once the uh, Mandalorian season two finale has aired, we will circle back and cover the rest of those episodes and kind of fanboy out a little more and talk about what we liked and what we didn't like as far as, you know, the season finale and how things kind of wrapped up. But right now, I want to jump into the gaming news section of the podcast and say we just recently on our last episode talked about the launch of the Series X and the PlayStation 5 and kind of gave a little rundown on what we thought the, the future of this console generation was and the downfall and the upsides to these, you know, consoles and, you know, what we've heard so far. But as soon as we finished that podcast, it feels like the next day news came out that uh, patents from 2019 from Sony had leaked that were uh, depicting that Sony had filed a patent for a PlayStation 5 console that would house two GPUs. Now, for a lot of you, never has a console done two GPUs at the same time. And the amount of power inside that console, if this is true, if this just wasn't something that Sony made me know, you know, like kind of filed for just, you know, to have a jump on the game. If this is something they actually are going to build in the future, which is the rumor that this was the patent of an early PS5, this is a game changer. And I mean, yeah, the PS5 is out now and it's pretty powerful. And so is the Series X. They're both out now. They're both powerful consoles and they're all right. But this is game changing. You're talking about housing two GPUs that will process things like we've never seen before, especially image quality, like we've never seen graphic fidelity, like we've never seen. And they're saying that this is not too far away, possibly two years at the most. And we just started this console generation. The PlayStation 5 Series X just came out weeks ago. We're still in the midst of the 2020 holiday season and we already had this leaking. I don't know, Mike, but this seems like 
we're kind of going a little fast. You know, not even like 2022. I, I think the the patents were saying like a lo- like they wanted a launch window for next year already. Already a PlayStation 5 Pro next year. We even like we nobody even has a PlayStation 5 except for like, you know, you and like a couple other people who were lucky enough to get their hands on it, but they're already talking about the PlayStation 5 Pro. And and you know, when I heard the dual GPU, the dual core, I was like, whoa. That's that's not something you hear of in in a console. That's you know that's that's like PC stuff. That's phone stuff. And uh, you know, I, I immediately thought of it's like, man, so how how is heat management going to stay the same? Are they going to have you know the same big ass fan at the top? You know, how's that going to work out? Uh, you know, w- will there be more storage? You know, that's that's also a question I got on my mind because God knows the PS5's what six hundred and forty five gigabytes of actual storage is rather pathetic uh, I'll give you I'll give you the the basically like true hands-on uh, impression with it because uh, me having the ps5 is that I have installed on my system this Astrobot uh, Astrobot's playroom which came pre-installed with the console I have NBA 2k21 spider-man miles Morales and call of duty black ops cold war with all those games installed, which doesn't sound like much, it's only a couple of games. I haven't, and also, and I have Doom Eternal, I should say, that I downloaded from the cloud. So not a, just like maybe five or six games, nothing big, nothing crazy. I only have 200 <laughs> gigabytes left. And let there be a big game that comes, let Cyberpunk be like 150 gigabytes. And it's like, well, that's it. That's it for that. Goes <laughs> all my stars. All my stars. It, it, it's bad enough that it's, it, yeah, no more stars. Sorry, error, error. Yeah, like it's bad enough that Sony hasn't even hinted, and I don't even think they're going to talk about this to maybe January. Is what is going to be their solution for adding expandable storage? They still haven't haven't not uh, gave us the qualifications for what clears the the PS5's uh, needs for expandable SSD. They have not talked about it. It has the slot for it, but you can't if you put any SSD in there. The firmware does not recognize it until they add the patch in for the specifications they want met. And it's kind of bothering me. Hey, you know, the people that have these consoles, you know, are already gaming on them. They want to be able to play whatever they want on them. You need to kind of be transparent and talk about either this is going to be something that's going to be done soon or should we be waiting for another quarter? Like people need to hear what the deal is with, you know, yes. the expandable storage. And like you said, even though there's the slot there, it's like, boy, that's looking nice. It would be great if there was, you know, actual hardware I could slap in there to at least maybe get an actual terabyte, maybe two. Oh, my goodness. But uh, it's got to be like a certain kind of SSD. It's got to be NMVE 3 yabba dabba do you know, format shit. And like, that's, that's all well and good. Just... When is that coming out? Why didn't you guys have, you know, already pre-planned? It's like, hey, you can use this, you can use this, or you can use this instead of not just wait. Just, you know, you're going to be playing the the install and delete game a lot, which is already a fun thing to do, you know, on a base PS4 if you don't have, you know, an extended hard drive. (laughs) But, um, hey, at least you got the silky smooth uh, lightning speed. I guess that's the big uh, trade-off, but yes. Yeah, I, I will say this. Can you? I want to kind of put you on the spot right here. Can you re-tell me and tell our listeners 
what was that specific type of uh, SSD you needed? I believe that was what the was it, the NMV two three Yabba Dabba two format <laughs> SSD. That, uh, I'm sorry, was that a, a yes. incantation from the Necronomicon? By Fredicus Flintstonius. <laughs> by Fredicus Flintstonius. Actually, this uh, book was written by Satan. Like, oh, shit. It's like, oh, that's right. right then. <laughs> uh, I feel like at this point they're going to show us the, you know, this the the spec sheet for the SSDs we need for the for the PS5, and it's going to look like you know some of the runes yeah, you find in, in Doom Eternal, where it's just it, nothing. It's just going to show a rune and then like a <laughs> price tag next to it. You know, would you like go that for like five hundred dollars? Oh my god. <laughs> I don't know if I want to sacrifice my soul for that sort of shit. It's like, you, you know, I don't need to put one of those into my uh, PS5 and, you know, turn it on. And instead of, you know, getting to the menu screen, you know, here. Pentagons on the side of the, pentagrams on the side of the PS5 just rotating. Like, oh, that's not good. <laughs> oh, the, um, and that's when I call my wife, uh, honey, I think I've opened the portal to hell and, uh. 2021 20, or 2021 20, how do you get in here <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah we we need to know more information about this and i hope that uh sony addresses this soon but uh our last topic of the podcast that i did want to get into before you know we kind of run to the edge here is uh reports came out this week that uh people on the xbox series x and the series s have been able to use the developer mode to install PlayStation 2 emulation software that actually makes the Xbox Series X run PlayStation 2 games very well. And people are kind of clowning Sony for this, being like, how is it that the Xbox can run PlayStation 2 games, but the PlayStation 5 can't? And I mean, you know, facts are facts. What's going on here, Sony? We've said in our last episode that, you know, Sony was really dropping the ball with the backwards compatibility and being able to play Mm -hmm. older legacy titles. So, Mike, I kick it to you. Uh, is, are Sony a bunch of clowns for this? Or are they holding oh, 100, you know, the big L 100, their Absolutely clown Sony for this. So again, in our previous episode, I said that they own the emulation software. It's not hard. It's not hard to put this sort of thing into a PS5 and be like, hey, guess what? You can play everything now. PS, PS5, 4, 3, 2, 1, everything. And, but they don't, they don't want to do it. They, they just, just PS4 games only. And just the fact that you can enable the developer mode on the SNX and just be like, hey, you want to play the original God of War? And it's like, yeah, <laughs> it's, it is, it's annoying. It's cool. It really is. It's cool. But it's annoying at the same time because, you know, Sony is just like, they, they got the stick up the ass about it. I don't know why. I, I really don't know why, but they just won't let us play old games. And I'm not having it, man. That. That stuff kind of angers me, especially when you can play Xbox, you know, one games, Xbox 360 games, OG Xbox games on the Series X. And it's like, man, that's that's really nice. I'm not going to lie. Like, uh, Sony, what are we going to do with you, bud? I mean, if, if you want Sony to hold this L a little more. On, on the Series X the other day, I was able to boot up Black and it played flawlessly. Yeah. And Black yeah. is an OG that, and that's like game. that's like one of the old, you know, ancient first-person shooters that you can play. Although next next up, you'd have to you'd have to fire a brute force. Yeah. <laughs> 
I fire a brute for. I mean, at this point, I mean, I, Sony is kind of caught with their pants down. And I mean, this was something I know that Microsoft didn't, you know, wasn't trying to promote intensively. This was something that people found out. You know, they, they used the developer mode. They kind of played around the console. They kind of, you know, for lack of a better word, they, you know, they played around with it. They figured something out. So it's not like it was something done intentionally. But, you know, Sony is still looking bad for this because it it was able to show how easy it is with the power of these consoles, how easy it was to kind of put some of these games in, on the system and kind of play them. I know the only drawback that I've heard of is that you cannot play any of the OG PS2 games that are more than two gigs. The emulation software can only I play games that, that are two that. gigs. Um, and, you know, it... Just to further compound the point of I don't understand why Sony does this, they have PS2, the quote-unquote PS2 on PS4 games. You can play Star Wars Bounty Hunter with Django Fett. That was, you know, back in the day on PS2 on the PS4. I mean, you got to buy it again for for prices that, you know, might make you look at the at the PS4 and be like, you really going to you really going to stick me for that? You're going to stick me for 20 bones for a for a 2002 <laughs> video game? Okay, guy. But it's at least there. And uh, granted, uh, especially with games like Manhunt, which played way better on the OG Xbox than they did the PS2, they 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 were adamant with sticking with PS2 versions. Even if it meant, you know, uh, looking overlooking the superior version of, you know, whatever game it was, much like Manhunt. Manhunt on PS2 ran at like 30 frames. Whereas on the OG Xbox, it ran in 60. So obviously you want to play the OG Xbox version, which is what I originally had Manhunt on. So when I booted up Manhunt on PS4 and the PS2 version was in 30, I was like, I don't remember that. Oh, this is much different. Okay. And, you know, they, they got to be a stickler for sticking to, to Sony guns, even when it comes to versions of a multi-platform game. And there I'm like, all right, Sony, you can cut the shit now we we've we get it you know yeah i i i will say this i mean sony's holding the l for right now but as we wrap our our podcast here i want to thank everyone for tuning in and i want to say that maybe sony might change this l because coming up on our next episode that l might turn into a w because on our next episode we're going to cover all the fallout from the game yes, awards sir. 2020 the winners, the losers, what we liked, what we didn't like, the big announcements, possibly a Silent Hill remake announcement. I don't know, a Metal Gear Solid remake announcement. You know, I I don't know. It could be, you know, big things happen at this Game Awards show, but whatever does happen, we're going to bring it to you here on the podcast. We're going to get down and dirty on it, and that'll be next week's episode. We'll be dropping it shortly after the Game Awards air. And we'll have all the coverage for you. Once again, I want to thank everyone for tuning into this episode. We thank everyone for all the support and the follows and all the listens we got on our first episode and all the feedback we received from friends, family, and listeners. We want to thank you all once again. And this has been the Jay and Mike. Hey, guys, it's Jay here. I just want to let you know, on the episode you just heard, we had a little bit of an abrupt ending. And it was due to a technical issue that we suffered 
Fortunately, we did identify the issue, and we hope to have this iron out for the third episode where we are going to be discussing the Game Awards 2020. I want to thank all of you for bearing with us as we are a new podcast, and we appreciate your support. And we'd like to say thank you once again for tuning in. This has been the Jay and Mike Take Flight Podcast, signing out.